My name's Phil Strong and it's great to be with you in this new series, the first message in our series called Haggai and the House. In this message, we're going to take a look at the book of Haggai. It's a small book, it's a prophetic book, and it's got a message for us today. So we're inviting you to join us as we dive in and discover the richness of what God is wanting to reveal to us. You know, I remember years ago, we were living in Florida with our kids, we were living quite close to a beach. And uh, we went along one day to a community event at the beach, and it was a treasure hunt. And our kids were uh, aged 9 and 11, so they were all about finding the treasures on the beach, right? And so they'd set up this area on the beach, and they blew the horn, and they said, Right, kids, away you go. And my kids, they dove into the sand. They were scurrying around in the sand. They were throwing sand over their shoulders, trying to discover the gifts and the treasures that were hidden in the sand. And you know what? I feel like that's what this series will be like for you and me. As we walk through the book of Haggai, as we ask God to reveal things to us, as we scratch and we search and we have an intentional desire to discover things, I feel like God's got treasures to reveal. So I'm excited that you're going to join us. Let's get into the series as we understand the book of Haggai. This first message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do an overview. I'm going to talk about some of the historical context. I'm going to talk about the theme. I'm going to talk about the outline of the book of Haggai. And I've got a highlight for you today. So let's look at the book of Haggai. Well, one of the things that I thought would be really interesting to do at the start is to put up a timeline so that you can see where Haggai fits in the context of the story of the scripture. So what you can see here is a timeline. And at the beginning is Adam, right in the beginning of creation. At the other end of the Old Testament is Jesus, kind of at uh, zero BC, if we could call it that, as a marker point. And so what you can also see there is that Noah comes on the scene, and we all know the story of Noah and his ark. And, 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 and also you can see there there's a timeline of Abraham. And I'm just using round numbers here, about 2,000 years before Christ Abraham gets called by God and goes on a journey and has a, has a covenant relationship with God, which is uh, rich in uh, meaning for us as God's people. Uh, also, you can see there that Moses uh, has an encounter with God um, at about 1500 um, BC, approximately. And that's when he's on Mount Sinai and he receives the, the, the covenant, the Torah, the law, and he has this face-to-face relationship with God. And God says, I will dwell with you as my people. And they have the Ark of the Covenant and they have the Tent of Meeting and they go on this journey. Well, unfortunately, uh, the people uh, aren't willing or ready to embrace the promise of God and his promised land. And so they go on this journey for 40 years. So uh, 40 years later, Joshua leads the people across the Jordan and they begin to possess the promised land. You can see here on the timeline at about 1000 uh, BC, approximately, King David is on the scene. Well, we know David and Goliath, and we know David and Saul, and then we know David and uh, Bathsheba, and, and Solomon is born. So it's around this time, the time of the kings. Now, in the time of the kings, the prophets that you see there on the screen are Elijah and also Elisha. 
And uh, so they worked in partnership. Uh, there was a transition there and uh, fun times in the, in the book of the Bible there. But also key moment, as you can see, Isaiah comes on the scene. And Isaiah is well known for his messianic prophecies, the prophecies of Jesus, and, uh, which are literal all through Scripture. Um, what I haven't put on there is the time of exile. So uh, there's uh, 70 years in Babylon. That happens. But what you see now is uh, at near the end of the timeline is Zechariah and Haggai come on the scene. Now, these guys are contemporaries. They operate around the same time. And this is about 450 years before Jesus. Now, just one last thing to highlight, because it's interesting to see, is that there was a period of time over 400 years before the birth of Christ where God was silent. There is no communication going on that we know of. It's definitely not recorded in Scripture. Why is that important to us? Well, what's important to us is to see the context of the story, but that God is faithful from the beginning all the way to the end to bring about the promise of Jesus. And we're going to see that today in the book of Haggai. So let's have a look at the Old Testament. I just want to show you some things about where it fits in because I've got an exercise for you to do that I think is going to be really interesting if you've never done it before. So as you can see here, uh, we have the book of Ezra. Now the book of Ezra is earlier in the Old Testament, but it's all happening around the same time. And this is my point of showing this to you. If you have a look at the first six chapters of the book of Ezra, Ezra was a scribe. He was a teacher of the law, and he was called by God to go back from Babylon into uh, Jerusalem and to begin the rebuilding of God's house. Now, this is what you see on the screen here. King Cyrus made a decree. A pagan king said, the God of Israel, you shall go and honor the God of Israel. His people shall go back. And uh, quite a phenomenal thing. Uh, but this is what happened. And some people went back and they began to build the temple foundations. And then what happens is there's a bit of opposition that goes on. And if you read the beginning of Ezra, what you're going to see is that there's these people going, wah, 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 and they're, you can't do this. And who do you think you are? And they begin to attack God's people so much so that as this opposition rises, people's confidence goes down and they stop working on God's temple. Now, this is really, really interesting because it sets us up for the book of Haggai. But some scholars say there's as many as 18 year delay. That means they started doing a good thing and then they got repressed, oppressed or uh, let's just say depressed. And, and they stopped working on the mission that God gave them for 18 years. And then you see Haggai turns up. And when you start to read the beginning of the book of Haggai, now you understand why Haggai is saying to them, Hey, you, why have you stopped? Now, at the same time, we've got the book of Zechariah. So Zechariah the prophet is also speaking to God's people and trying to call them out of their delay. Now, just so you know, I've also added onto the timeline later on the book of Esther, the second half of the book of Ezra, and then the book of Nehemiah. So what I'm trying to do is build you a timeline so you can see the different stages of God's people coming back into uh, rebuilding the city, rebuilding the walls, and seeing the promises of God fulfilled. Now this should be encouraging to us, because God that promises is God that is faithful, and He draws us in, and we're going to see some of that in the theme of Haggai, which we'll look at shortly.
Before I dive into the book of Haggai, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a worksheet to complete. So if you're here on YouTube, I want you to look into the description and you're going to see a link that takes you to a worksheet. Uh, and I'm just showing you it on the screen here, just so you can get the essence of what's happening. But pretty much what I'm suggesting that you do is that you read the first four chapters of the book of Ezra. Uh, it's not long, it's a great story, you can get into it, and you start to understand what's happening. But then what I want you to do is jump across and read Haggai chapter 1 and 2. Haggai chapters 1 and 2. So jump across and read those, and then read the first part of Zechariah. Now Ze the reason we're not studying Zechariah is it's a deep prophetic book that is uh, potentially quite confusing. So just read the first 17 verses, but what you're going to see there is what God is saying through the prophet Zechariah in parallel to Haggai the prophet. And then what you can do is jump across to Ezra and read chapters 5 and 6, and you'll see the perspective of Ezra as the story is told of what God's people did and how they responded to what the prophet Haggai said. So look, this worksheet, you can download it, you can save it onto your phone or your tablet, uh, you can print it out if you want, uh, because there's some other questions coming shortly uh, that I'm going to share with you. So pause the video now and uh, download the worksheet or watch this on the screen and you can read those chapters. did that exercise, it shouldn't have taken long. And, and, and here's why that's important. Because as we begin to read God's Word, God's Word begins to feed us. As we read God's Word in partnership with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps to enlighten, to open up the Scriptures so that they become alive to us and suddenly God's Spirit is feeding our spirit. So, so don't skip the exercises in the worksheet. Don't skip the reading of God's Word. It's really, really good for us to do that. So, um, But here's, here's also why it's important because as we go into the book of Haggai, uh, what I'm trying to do is to give you an overview of what those themes are. The fundamental theme that overarches the book of Haggai is the restoration that God is doing in rebuilding his temple, which is the place of God's dwelling, for the importance of worship as a lifestyle. And I know Phil's gonna, Phil Brown's going to talk about worship as a lifestyle next week in the next message. But this is, this is really important because what it demonstrates to us, this is what it should demonstrate to you. This is what, what, what should encourage you, is that God wants to demonstrate His desire to live in covenant relationship with us. He wants to live with us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to interact with us. And as we worship God with our lives, we partner with God. And this is the overarching theme of the book of Haggai. Now what you should do is take that into your life and say, well, how can I live with God in covenant? How can I live with God in partnership? How can I worship God in a way that activates this dynamic covenant that God has prepared for me? This is the theme of the book of Haggai. So as you can see, the first key theme is the restoration of God's house. And, and the Bible indicates to us that the broken down, uh, decaying, um, out of order house of God actually represents the state of our heart. And uh, this is not about a building in our day. This is about us being the temple of God. If our temple, if our heart is out of order, then we're not able to live in partnership with God in the way he's designed. And, and this should be a warning for us, an invitation for us to take care of the condition of our heart. For, for out of our heart flows the wellspring of life. So if our house is out of order, if our heart is out of order, then we don't get to live in partnership with God the way he, that he would desire us to. 
The second key theme out of this book is really important for us is that this is a prophetic book. This is a prophetic word. Haggai the prophet came and spoke to God's people. And I would love to say to you today that as Zion, we honor the prophetic. We cherish the prophetic message. We covet God speaking to us through the prophetic. And we, we work hard uh, to um, be diligent in stewarding what God says to us through prophetic words. Uh, we do believe God speaks to us today. We're very, very careful in how we process prophetic words. We have a disciplined approach whereby we do this in accountability to each other. Uh, we have a leadership process that says, let's check what God's word says on this. And we search over time for agreement with the prophetic word. And that's the thing that's important to us is not to deny the prophetic, not to doubt or question it, but to embrace it and allow God to confirm that which is real for us uh, in this moment. So the prophetic word is a key theme of this, and it should be a key theme in our lives also. The third theme that's in this is God is sovereign. Haggai is very particular in his wording that he uses, and he refers to the phrase, the Lord of hosts, or um, other translations call it the Lord of heaven's armies. 14 times over 38 verses, Haggai refers to God Almighty as the Lord of heaven's armies. And he's trying, to he's trying to invite us into that place where we understand that God is sovereign and we are not. God is in control and God has the big picture in mind, but we do not. And I really want to encourage you in that is that, look, we've got to learn to trust God in the tension of the unknown. We might not understand. We might not comprehend. We might not be able to predict. We certainly can't control, but we've got to be okay with that. Haggai invites us into that place where he says, listen to God hear what God is saying and trust what God is saying and be obedient to what God is saying. The fourth theme in this is there's a genuine call, a very clear direct call from God that the people must do the work. We've got to respond. God says, I'm calling you into partnership and partnership means you put your shoulder into what I'm calling you to do. And it's going to have a cost to it. It's going to have a sacrifice to it. You might not be comfortable in it, but God is calling us to partner with him. And as we journey as God's people, I pray that we would know that that is true for us today. And, and finally, like the, the key point, the exclamation mark on the whole of the Old Testament, and we see it right through Scripture, is God is pointing to Jesus. This is a confirmation of the Messianic promise, the confirmation and affirmation that through the house of David, the signet ring, the chosen one, the, the cherished one, the Messiah, which we know as Jesus, is still God's intent. And look, we should have hope in that because Jesus came the first time as the Son of God and invited us into relationship with Him so that we can work in partnership with Him, establishing the kingdom of God on earth. But we must also hold on to the promise that Jesus will come again. And so uh, Haggai is pointing to the coming of Jesus the first time as the Savior and Redeemer of all mankind. And we must understand that the scriptures point to the coming of Jesus, our King, who will rule with us for eternity. So let's get excited that the themes of this scripture are powerful for us today. What I want to do now is I want to shift to looking at the um, outline of the book of Haggai. Because one of the things that's really useful in understanding Scripture and learning from Scripture um, is how we, how we process Scripture in, in a way that helps people to grow is to look at the outline. And, and look, as a simple clue, what I've done today is I've just shown you the headlines that appear in the book of Haggai 
through the New King James translation. So I've chosen the New King James translation to look at the headings of the text as a way to get insight from the translator's perspective into the outline of the book. And so this is a really helpful discipline for you if you're looking to grow and understand what scripture might be saying. So as you can see here, the headings are quite simply, there is a command through the prophet from God for the people to build the house of God. The second headline, which is the second half of chapter one, is the people respond in obedience. And I find that hugely exciting. That, uh, that there's evidence there that God convicts the people and calls them in and by his spirit they re respond in obedience. And, and man, I would pray today that we as God's people would be obedient to the word of the Lord today. Will you be obedient to what God is saying to you today? As we move into chapter 2, you can see there the first heading is about the promise of the coming glory of the Lord. God is saying to us, people of Zion, that the coming glory, the coming outpouring of the Spirit, the coming saturation of God's presence that He has promised for our nation is coming soon, and He has promised it. And we can know in confidence that God is faithful to His promises. The second heading in the Bible there in chapter 2 is that the people are defiled. And I kind of wonder um, what that means for us. If you read the text, I'm not going to point it out to you today, if you read the text, you'll find out why the people were defiled. And we know that when we are defiled, we are unclean before God and we require God to cleanse us. So understand this, that we say here that the judgment of God is not the condemnation of God, but the judgment of God is an invitation into a cleansing process where he works with us and prepares us in, in, in partnership with the salvation of Jesus. So never ever read that when God says you're dirty, you're defiled, or you're unclean. Never read that as condemnation. Read it as an invitation. God, I would, I would respond to your invitation to come into a place of cleansing. Would God, would you come and cleanse my heart? God, would you come and cleanse my mind, my lifestyle, my practice, my habits, my behaviors, my finances, my family? God, thank you for inviting me to come in that place where you would cleanse me. Because God says this, read it in the text. I will bless you, says God. And so God always invites us into that place of relationship with him so that he can heap on us the blessings. It's there in the text. God says, I will bless you. Why don't you invite God's blessing into your life and see what it looks like? And finally, the last heading, we've got a message dedicated to this coming in the series, is God says, I will call Zerubbabel as my signet ring. And I want to get into that now, but I've, I've alluded that it points to Jesus. But what does it mean for us today? How do we live today? How do we live as God's chosen influence in the nation today? And that's a key outcome. And in fact, it's the finish of the book of Haggai. So it's quite important for us to take note of. So here and when we see the outline of the book of Haggai, we can begin to understand how we might digest it. So as you're studying the book of Haggai through the series, as we come back to it over the seven messages, I encourage you to take note of the headings, take notice of the sections, because the translators have put it in these sections for a reason, that each section has a subpoint, and in that subpoint we might find that what God is saying to us today. And I really hope that helps you to digest the book of Haggai as you study it. Before I give you the highlight, the big idea from this message, I want to point you to the worksheet again. Uh, the second page of the worksheet uh, points to the verse I'm about to talk about, Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. 
The future splendour of this temple will be greater than that of former times, the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. And in this place, I will give peace, decrees the Lord of hosts. As you see the worksheet here, what I'd love for you to do is to pause the video and take time to consider, to ask God, what does future splendour look like for Zion? I want you to remember that when God speaks of his temple in today's terms, we are that temple. The Bible teaches that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so what is future splendor that Haggai says here? Uh, what does future splendor look like for us as Zion, for God's people who dwell together? What does it look like? And then what does it look like for you? Because God says the future looks better than the past. What could that look like in your life? Why don't you pause the video now and consider that with your friends. As I land this first message, I really want to highlight this verse as the main point for today's message. I want to prophesy over you that the future splendor of your life will be greater than the former. I believe God's calling us into a time where we're going from glory to glory. We're going to greater things. We're going to new uh, experiences of God's presence, His rich love, His mercy, and His new wine. Jesus says this new wine is that new covenant that we get to taste of and we get to see that it is very, very good. Why would we go back to the old wine when we can have the new wine? When God says that the future splendor of the temple means he's the future splendor of your life, that the, the dwelling place of God that's rich in you is greater than it's ever been before. As we search God's mysteries, as we partner with his Holy Spirit to read the scriptures, I believe God's calling you into a new way of experiencing the power of the presence of God in your life, in your family, in your workplace, and in your community. Come on, let's believe that God wants to take us into a new experience of his Holy Spirit. This is, please, please don't hear me uh, just trying to hype you up. Please, I'm trying to exhort you to, to say yes and amen to God, I want that for my life. God, I want to experience you in a greater way. God, I'm not willing just to sit and to have the old and to get stale and to not to experience the richness of healing and wholeness and vibrancy and, and power that is available through Jesus Christ and his spirit. Jesus, we want more of you. Jesus, we want more of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Come on, let's declare today in agreement. Do it with me. Jesus, may the splendor of my life from this day forward be greater than the former. May I see the latter day reign. May I see the power of the Holy Spirit in my life afresh today. This is the life that God is calling us into. This is the promise that God has for you, for your family, for your children and your children's children. Will you say yes to what God is putting before you as an invitation today? As I close, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit visits you right now, wherever you are. I'm praying that the cloud of the presence of God comes upon you in a tangible way, where you sense that God is around you, where you sense that God is upon you, where you sense that God is in you. An infilling of a freshness of the presence of God in your life. Lord, I declare today that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the promise for every believer. That as we invite you to come now into our hearts, into our lives, into our homes, God, that we would be 
blessed by you with the presence of God, that that would look like your, your countenance being upon us, that it would look like the, the, the intimacy of our relationship, you would be refreshed today. And God, that we would know that you have a greater glory for us to experience, that we would come to the place where we would taste and see that the Lord is truly good. Well, I declare, uh, I just declare God's favor to be upon you wherever you are today. May God richly bless you as we continue to journey through the book of Haggai. I pray that you will be richly blessed by the word of God as we do this together. God bless you. I look forward to catching up with you soon.